Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. How are you, church? Good. It's good to be with you again. It has been several months since I've got the opportunity to do this, so i um, very, very excited that the complaints um, didn't last too long, and I'm back here with you today. Uh, I, I mentioned it, Tim and Christy, and one of their daughters are, are gone and enjoying some time together this morning, and so uh, just really, really thankful for Stephen and Leslie that uh, keep this thing happening. We are so appreciative of you guys and the work you put in here, and they called me up from the bullpen and asked if I could fill in today, so here I am. Um, 2019, going well? How many of you have already messed the date up on something you've had to write down? Any of you already write 2018? Already failed this year. Pretty good. Um, I did that as well. It is, um, any of you make New Year's resolutions? Are any of New Year's resolutions people? No? Literally nobody in this church? One? Two? Well, there you go. What, my wife doesn't make resolutions. She picks like words for the year. Anyone have like a word or theme? There you all are. That's so 2019, right? <laughs> Like, we don't do resolutions. Those are too hard. <laughs> we, we do words. And so maybe you're six days in, and you haven't failed your resolution, but maybe you're ready to pick a new word. Um, I don't know if that's the new thing. I was watching, or I saw uh, Jimmy Fallon put out this thing of, like, resolution fails. And someone was like, it was my goal to lose 15 pounds, and after last night, it's now 20. And I was like, that's, that's pretty good. I don't do them either. Um, I don't like to fail. I have a thing about failing. It's weird. I don't like it. Um, I don't like to lose. I like winning, but I hate losing. And so I don't, not the New Year's resolution, guys. So I don't know if it's really been a resolution um, that we've decided in my home, but uh, something has been happening the past uh, week and a half. So since last year, um, I'll say. And after Christmas, my children, I have two children, we got, uh, they got some Play-Doh for Christmas. And we went to put the Play-Doh up in the storage area where the art supplies were, which is just broken crowns and markers that don't have lids and things like that, right? And so we, my wife goes to put the Play-Doh in the basket, and she's like, it won't fit. There's too much junk in here. And so she pulls out the art basket and begins to throw old broken paint and things away. And she's like, well, you know, I was like, I see her doing that. I was like, that's a good idea. I'm going to go. We have a storage ottoman in our living room, which is basically just a reason for parents not actually clean your house. You just throw stuff in the ottoman, and it's like, oh, our house is clean, but it's not. It's full of broken McDonald's toys or, or Chick-fil-A, sorry, whatever we eat. Um, it's full of that. So I start going through this, and I'm like, I'm going to be productive. Um, hands down, no, I'm not. I'm going to be positive about this. My wife told me I can't be negative. If you've been following her Instagram account, as many people have, some of you are smiling. We have been experiencing the great purge of 2018 and 2019 in my house. We have this, what started with an art basket and an ottoman, has turned into organizing every room, every corner, every closet, and every drawer of my entire house. And I have said more bad things and had more bad thoughts than I maybe have ever had in my life. Um, it's one of those things that, in, in the midst of this, a new show came out on Netflix. It's called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Any of you, any of you have seen this show? I need hands. Any of you have seen this? It, are you obsessed with this show too? Like, I don't think it's helpful. I think it's just another addictive thing in our lives. Like, that's what it is. Well, there's this woman, she comes into home and she helps people organize their home and she like thanks the home for being there. And then the process is 
you look at, I say, some of you are like, yeah, it's a, this has been my life for the past week. This is not funny. Stop <laughs> laughing. You watch this enjoyment from Netflix from your bed, but your drawers are cluttered. Get out of bed. Declutter your drawers. You're laughing. I'm not laughing. So what you do is you get an item, you look at each item individually in your whole house, everything individually, and you say, does this bring me joy? And if it does not bring you joy, you say, thank you. <laughs> and then you give it away, put it in a trash bag. So my wife, so wonderful, she's going through each item, thank you. Thank you. This brings me joy. And I got a trash bag. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I'm just throwing. This has been my week, the great purge of 2018, 2019, and we are almost done. We have like six more things, like drawers left, and that's it. Hope your year's going as good as mine. <laughs> Kicking off 2019 with a bang. Really excited. I'm almost done. You can follow along. Many people have been like seeing her messages like, Oh, you've inspired me. And then like two days later, they're like on there, like I blame Casey Kinney for my life being miserable. And so like the inspiration turns to anger. My dad called me the other day and he was like, guess what I'm doing? Because of your wife, I'm cleaning my garage. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I love her. I promise. Our house is getting clean. That's a W. Anyways, week 34 of our series on Jesus. <laughs> Good transition there. Uh, and yes, we are in week 34, one week after Jesus' age, which I think was cool. Um, anyways. Tangent, Jesus, he changed everything about everything. We are going to be taking this series all the way up until the week after Easter. And we've tried to cover as much as possible things from his teachings, things from his encounters, things for words that he said he's really passionate about. Uh, basically everything we can think of of his story, and we've just barely scratched the surface. And so we are going to call it, I think, a wrap in week 50. And I don't know, we'll come back to it at some point, because I'm sure there are things about Jesus we have forgot to mention. Last week. Tim began his uh, service. He did a message last week on having Jesus in every conversation that you have and how do we in, in bring that in. And so he began last week with the word association game, and I thought it was really fun. He was like, what do you think of when you think of Christmas? And um, it was so funny. People would laugh about things, and then he would say something, and people would be like, ooh, and get quiet for a little bit. And then the people would start laughing because it was like, clearly I don't have anything to say, and maybe I should, which I thought was funny. Anyways, I just have one for you today, one word association, Okay. If I were to say your name, you, what are the things that you think of? If I say, like, what defines you? If I said, like, what, what is Caleb? What defines you? If I said your name right now, I want you to think. Maybe if you have a pen, you can write some things down. That's okay. Um, what defines you? What are some things? I'll go, because I have a microphone in 20 more minutes. So I'll go first. Some things that define me. Um, in, in my world, I am Casey's husband. That's what it is. My wife uh, has a business. Um, I uh, don't have like a standard job or what I go do or a title or thing. So to most people in our world that we run in, I'm Casey's husband. It's a banner I carry, very proud. I, I suckered the whole world. Ha, 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 ha. Um, I am Casey's husband. I'm very, very proud of that one. I am uh, dad. I'm Rosalind and Wallace's dad. That's, that's another title I carry. I walk in, I drop my kids off. Oh, that's Rosie's dad or that's Wally's dad. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I carry that title. That defines me. Um, I'm Scott and Sue's son. Um, my dad, uh, that's, that's who the banner I carried for most of my life. I'm also the baby of the family. Um, so I've been Bethany and Nathan's little brother. Um, that's not a title they carry for me very gladly. Um, but I, I, you know, that's me. 
And then the other thing I would say that defines me now is I'm, I'm Coach Kinney. I coach football in a school in Yukon, and so I, I see kids like, you're Coach Kinney. I'm like, I don't know you, um, but okay. Um, so those are the titles. And all of those things define me, and all of them have meaning. They're not just like meaningless titles, right? I'm Casey's husband, and what that means is I'm her partner, and, and so we uh, live life together. We dream together. We plan together. We uh, pray together for our business and make plans. That actually means a whole lot, a great deal. I'm Scott and Sue's son. That actually means a whole lot to me. I'm very, very proud to be their son. I'm Rosalind Wallace's dad. There's nothing I would rather be than that. Nothing in the whole wide world. That title means more to me than anything. I'm Coach Kinney, and that means I spend a lot of time with a group of guys, and we're trying to get X's and O's right, but I also, they're in my home playing video games, and we go to breakfast on Fridays and spending time. These things define me because they are the things that I invest most of my time in. So most of my time is invested in the things that define me. And I think it's only natural that at the beginning of the year, it's worth six days in the year 2019, that many of us are beginning to think about what's going to define you this year. And I think that's why this picking a word thing is actually really cool. Um, I know like people pick this word, like this is what I want to define me this year. And I was thinking about this idea this week and I basically settled on this passage. It's from the book of James. If you have a Bible, you can flip to James chapter four. If you have a device, you can use that as well. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. I settled on this passage from James 4. Are you ready to go? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you be with us right now? Would you move mightily and powerfully? May your words speak much more loudly than any of us ever could. God, may you do what you do best. May you speak to us. May you come alive. May you use these words to change us, motivate us, cause us to soar, Jesus. I pray that we walk out of this room a little bit differently than the way we walked in. In your name we pray. Amen. James chapter 4. We're going to go to verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. So those of you who are planning on your, are any planners in here who like, do you know what you're going to do tomorrow all day? Any of you out here? Yeah, right on. Like some of you out there, yes. I, I'm not that person, but right on to you. Okay, so you out there who are saying, I'm gonna go do this, carry out business and spend and make money and all these things. Why do you not even... Why? You don't even know what you will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Which is one of my favorite lines in all of the Bible. People are like, what's your life verse? And I'm like, what is your life? James 4. I don't really say that, but it'd be funny. You're remiss that appears in a little while and then vanishes. Verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. And anyone then who knows what the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, Sin. So I was going through this. I was thinking about this week, and I, and I settled on this idea to teach this morning. And I got really, really excited about it. That there is an unbelievable truth that no matter what you experienced in 2018 or what experiences w- wait for you in 2019, there is nothing, nothing, nothing that you have experienced or will experience that Jesus didn't also walk through. Nothing. You have nothing that you have experienced or will experience that Jesus hasn't already gone before you and done. Nothing. If you experienced great joy last year or experienced joy this year, Jesus' little literal birth was announced with what? I bring you good news of what? Great joy. He was the literal definition of joy. Jesus experienced, you experienced joy? Yeah, Jesus has been there. He's joy. He's walked with you through it. If you experienced love this year, he was everything. Everything he did was about loving us. If you experienced friendship this year, Jesus had a group of friends, believe it or not. He just wasn't floating from city to city, performing miracles and, you know, turning fish into more fish. He actually had some buddies, and I bet they joked around. If you experienced friendship this past year, you relate to Jesus a lot more than you think. 
And he, in fact, had some, even this, best friends. And he had a few of them, three. You relate to Jesus. If you experienced hope this year, Jesus was hope. He's experienced that. If you experienced loss this year, there is unbelievable comfort at knowing that Jesus wept. Jesus wept when he lost somebody he loved. So there's friendship, there's love, and there's mourning. Jesus can relate to you. He understands. You're not walking through it alone. You're not. And even though you feel it, because you know why? Jesus experienced loneliness. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced what it means to be abandoned and alone. Do you feel that way this morning, that nobody understands what you're feeling through? No one knows what I'm going through? Yeah, Jesus understands. He felt that way too. What great hope is there in that? You experience suffering this year? Open the New Testament. He understands. The suffering you're walking through, he can relate to. You feel rejected? He gets that. He was cast out of his own hometown. They kicked him out. You experience success, failure, so is he. He understands. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that you have experienced or will experience that you can't take to the throne of Jesus. He understands. In fact, if you look in Hebrews chapter 4, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it's on the screen. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. So there's you're wondering, who is he talking about? Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Okay, if this isn't highlighted in your Bible, it's time to get a pen out, okay? Mark it. If you're wondering if I need to mark something in the Bible, it's this verse right here. Since this happened, Jesus, son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen, church. Amen. If you look at the original Hebrew and Greek word, that in time to me, in time, you know what it means? In the nick of time, which that means right when you need Jesus to understand whatever you're walking through, that's when he steps in right in the nick of time, right when my suffering seems like I can never escape it, right when my marriage feels like there's no way to save it, right when I feel like even though my marriage is ended, I don't know what to do next. That's when Jesus steps in. I don't know what to do about my children. They're just not understanding. That's when Jesus steps in. I don't know what to do with my job. There's no answers. I don't know what to do about my job. That's when Jesus steps in. I have no purpose and passion. I feel alone right in the nick of time. When we have confidence, we can go to the throne of grace because he's gone before us. Amen, church. That's the Jesus we serve. So we don't have to feel whatever you're feeling right now without knowing that Jesus has been in the exact same place we are. And I was fired up to teach that this morning. I hope that fires you up to hear. So like every week, I call my dad and I have to go over what I'm going to teach. So I called him on Monday because Tim was going out of town, so he needed my verses earlier than normal. So I call my dad and I start going over this with him. I'm excited. If you, if you don't know me, I, I tend to get a little worked up. I'm a coach. It happens. I got excited, and I was calling my dad, and I was walking him through these things, and he was like, yeah, yeah, and he was being really quiet. And I, so I ended, and I was like, no matter what we experience, Jesus is with us. And he was like a long pause, and he was just, that's good. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you're not done. I was like, what do you mean? That's, that's what I want to teach today. That's what that passage is what I got. And he said, well, that's not Okay. 
And he just heat checked me really fast. And he said, there's just so much more there. Why are you leaving it alone? What, what does that do for your church? And I was like, hmm. So I went back to the text. Just in Hebrews 4, verse 15 alone, right? It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Amen. Celebrate. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Amen. Celebrate. But there's four words that changed everything, yet was without sin. Hmm. Well, let's go back to James 4, shall we? Because I was really excited to end on this note. And then my dad said, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. He checked me pretty good. James chapter 4, verse 13. Here we go. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year, carry on business, and make money. Whatever you're going to do this year, whatever plans you're going to make, you're going to this city or that city, making plans for business, plans for your life, plans for things, God is going to be with you. He's been with you before. He's gone before you. He'll be with you now. Amen. Celebrate. Hallelujah. But there's more. Verse 14. Why do you not... Uh, why? Do you not even know what, your li- what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows what to do knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it. To him, it is sin. You see, the goal of this morning isn't just to grasp the first and the grasp that Jesus is always there before us. What is our goal in this series about Jesus who changed everything about everything? Our goal is to better understand Jesus, Correct? Would you agree? We want to better understand Jesus so we become more like Jesus. And the way we become more like Jesus, we begin to act more like Jesus. And if we're acting more like Jesus, it's understanding that everything we do is in accordance to the will of God for one sole purpose, to give God glory. And that's how we advance the kingdom. That right there is how we advance the kingdom. Verse 16 and 17 of James 4. Are you with me? As it is, you will boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then, and I didn't want to preach this part. This isn't as fun. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. James knew it was far easier for you and me to think about and talk about living in humility and being dependent on God. It's a lot easier to talk and think about those things and a lot more difficult to live it. Would you agree? Yet James makes the mind of God incredibly plain here, doesn't he? He who knows what is good and does not do it to him, it is what? Sin. If all glory and all boasting goes to the Lord. You see, when we first understand this, like make plans for 2019, big, giant, massive plans, go after it, chase things, go to this city and that city, make a lot of money, do everything you want to do, but make sure it's all for one sole purpose, giving glory to the Father. That's it. End of story, period. That's it. Everything. You see, when we first learn about the devil in Isaiah 14, when he is cast out of heaven, right? The devil wasn't cast out of heaven because he hated God and was destroying the things of heaven. He wasn't cast out of heaven because he was destroying and scheming like he is now, trying to deceive you and me this morning, trying to convince you what you're hearing in this Bible isn't true, that I'm getting a lot of these things wrong, that a lot of this stuff isn't practical for today. That's what the devil's doing now. You know why he got cast out? Because he was in heaven and said, I want some of God's glory for me. I want some credit for me. And that makes me a lot more like the devil than I want to be. I don't like that. I like thinking about how evil and how he stands for everything that is horrible. But the truth is, the devil said, I want some of that credit right here. I want it to go to me. And man, that makes me a lot like him. 
But see, I can twist and justify it, right? Because I don't actually want God's credit, but man, I sure want mine. You know what I mean? Like, if you were to come up to me, me, me and Stephen are sitting here in the front row talking about whatever, and you're like, Caleb, whew, killed it this morning with worship, crushed. I can tell you put a lot of time and effort into that worship set. You prayed over it. You picked the songs. You worked with the musicians. The sound, it sounded great. You guys were on point. You didn't miss anything. Whew, you killed worship this morning. Great job, Caleb. Stephen's like, what? Okay. Now, Stephen's a really nice guy, so he wouldn't say anything. He'd be like, he'd probably be like, yeah, he did. <laughs> Stephen's too nice. But there's that in there like, I did that. You know what I mean? If you put your time and your effort and your work and your sweat and your tears into something and somebody else comes and gives somebody else credit for it, now we've all been there, right? That boss that won't acknowledge you no matter how good you do. And you're like, come on. Uh-oh. Well, if I read James 4, and our goal here is a series about Jesus who changed everything about everything, and Jesus himself gives us this example, right? All the Pharisees of the time, they're really proud of who they are and the knowledge that they do. They walk around, wear these robes like banners saying, look at me, look what I've done, look at all the knowledge that I have. It's not like their knowledge was bad. It was knowledge of the Torah, which is the Bible. That's actually good things. But they're all walking around this, and Jesus enters the scene in Mark chapter 10, and a young man comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And before Jesus answers the question, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> Jesus, the son of God, is called good. And his immediate response was what? No, 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 no. Why do you call me? Nobody is good except God. If Jesus' first response was to give every single bit of credit that he was rightfully due away into the Father, what lesson is that for you and me? Every single thing that he had was about giving it to the Father. I'm going to break a preaching rule right now. It's a big rule of preaching, that you don't do what I'm about to do. I'm not going to curse or anything like that. Don't worry. You're never, ever, ever supposed to give an example or an analogy about sports. But I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway, because I love sports. You know anything about my, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. We play at 12.05, so it's a good thing you came to the first service because the next one's going to be about 10 minutes. <laughs> That's not true. 15. Um, I love sports. And the thing about me is I love loud. The athletes you can't stand are my favorite ones. I love the loud, the arrogant the ones who get up after every play and do this and, and do this. I could watch Johnny Manziel play for the rest of my life, and I would be so happy. Just keep throwing up the money sign. I love it. I love it. I love me some Baker Mayfield. I love staring down other coaches. I love jawing at people because we don't like Johnny Manziel in the state, but we talk Baker. Ooh, and I'm like, ooh. I love the jawing and the staring at coaches. I'm like, if you don't like it, stop him. Beat him. You want to make Baker be quiet, beat him, but nobody could. It's awesome. 
I love watching. Like when Michael Jordan, when Matumbo was talking trash and Jordan closed his eyes and hit the free throw, I still, I got literal right now. Look at him. <laughs> oh, I love it. Tomorrow night, there's going to be a football game played in college football. Many of you know this. It's the national championship game tomorrow night between Alabama and Clemson. Sore subject around here, I understand. Kyler got the Heisman. We can relax. He said when he came on campus, his goal was to be remembered. He wanted a Heisman Trophy. He got it. Right on. Dude's unbelievable. He got it. Tomorrow night, there's a game between Alabama and Clemson. And each of those teams has a starting quarterback. And their names are Tua Tungavaola. Sure, I said that. Okay. Um, and a kid named uh, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Now, we all know the story of Tua, right? He came in last year at halftime. Alabama's losing. He leads this huge comeback, throws a pass at the end of the game to win the national championship. Everyone, finally, Alabama catch the break. They so desperately have needed all these years. <laughs> finally win a game. And the interviewers run over to Tua after the game. He replaced the guy who was like 20-something and two, all, this, all these accolades. And like, Tua, how'd you do it? Tell us, how did you feel going into the game? And he's like, first, I got to say this. All glory goes to my Savior, Jesus Christ. Within him, all things are possible. He has been so good to me and my family. I can't imagine anything in this world without him. I was like, that rocks. And you could say that's kind of athlete talk, but you could, it's hard to find a video of Tua Tungavaola talking without him talking about Jesus. He's the most outspoken Christian athlete probably since Tim Tebow. He talks about it literally all the time. He said, I chose, one of the reasons I chose Alabama over USC, because people go to church in the South, and I wanted to go to church. That's why I chose Alabama. He said, at the end of the day, it came to where I could go to church, and there was more choices there. That rocks. Guys, that rocks. The other quarterback is a guy named uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's the quarterback for Clemson. Now, Trevor Lawrence is the highest rated high school quarterback in the history of ranking quarterbacks. There has never been a quarterback rated higher than Trevor Lawrence. Guys have scouted quarterbacks for 40 years. We've never seen a player as good as him. Kid's 18 years old. He replaced the guy that took a team in the playoffs last year. He's unbelievable, this kid. They're like, he's a surefire number one pick in three years. He, like, like another quarterback had every, Deshaun Watson had every record in the state of Georgia. Lawrence broke them all. Like nothing. Kid's unbelievable. And he got asked after replacing the starting quarterback. They're like, uh, how do you feel about that? How are you going to handle this? And this 18-year-old kid, he's like, you know, I mean, it's okay, but football's not that big a deal. My faith is, so... Whatever happens on the football field is fine. I know who I am in Christ and whatever. And the reporter was like, okay, but what are you, what's going to happen when you get in the game and throw touchdowns and everyone thinks you're great? Or what if you get in and you start throwing a lot of interceptions? How's that going to affect you? And he goes, it doesn't affect me at all because whether I succeed or fail, as long as I know who I am in Christ, none of that really matters. So, like, that rocks. I hope the score tomorrow night is like, 50 to 52, and neither guy has an incompletion. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter whether you succeed or fail. As long as God gets the glory. All of it. All of the glory. It doesn't matter. That changes the way we begin to look at everything, doesn't it, church? Make big, giant plans for 2019. Crush them for the glory of the Lord. Do everything in your power so that God receives every bit of glory he deserves. And it's a lot when you agree. It changes the way we pray and it changes the way we look at life. It changes the way we view miracles. Here are the miracles that we crave, church, right here. We crave immediate healing. We crave wealth. 
We crave coming back from death. We crave displays of power. We crave miracles of God ending trials. And we crave miracles of personal triumph. And all those things bring God glory in some shape, form, or fashion. But you know what the New Testament, what the gospel teaches us? Here's the miracles that the gospel creates. The gospel creates perseverance in pain, and that's a miracle. There's something about persevering through pain. Would it be better to have immediate healing? Yes, and God to God be the glory. But there's something about God giving you perseverance through pain and suffering that brings glory to him. That's what the gospel creates. It brings him glory. So it's not God is present in one and absent in the other. He is here, there, and he is here, here, and he gets glory in all of it. We, just, we crave wealth, the miracle of God, provide for my needs. You know what the gospel creates? Contentment. Remember the story of the Jesus tells of the woman who had two coins and she said, here. And Jesus said, you have given more than all of them. The gospel creates miracles and contentment with what you have. It's a miracle. And God gets the glory for that. We crave coming back from death. Do you know what the gospel creates? Life afterwards. Those of you in this room who have said yes to Jesus and made him Lord of your life, you've been renewed, restored, reborn. Eternal life isn't something you're looking forward to. It's right now. You're living it. Amen? That's the miracle of the gospel of Jesus. We want ending of trials. The gospel creates displays of humility. We want personal triumph. You know what the gospel creates? Divine triumph. You would not believe what I overcame. Uh-uh, you would not believe what God did through my life. That's what the gospel creates. And all glory goes to God in every situation. It's all his. That changes the way we define ourselves. I don't know what your 2019 is going to hold. I don't know. But I do know that God needs to get the glory for all of it. When I ask what defines you, everything you could have written down, everything is a way to give God glory. Okay, the first thing I said is, I'm Casey's husband, right? Most people know me, I'm Casey's husband. Do you know what God called me to do as Casey's husband? He commanded me. I'm supposed to love Casey as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Now, that means that's the only kind of acceptable love that I should give Casey. That's the only acceptable one. God commanded me to do it. That's how I'm to love my wife. And if I love my wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church, that brings God glory. And if it brings God glory, it also points people to the truth that Christ loved, loved us so much that he gave his son for us and he took our sins and he died and was buried. And three days later, he defeated sin and death and he rose again and now offers salvation to all who believe. And that gives God glory. Glory, by the way. So yeah, being Casey's husband is actually a really big deal if I want to see the kingdom advance this year. See those titles you just throw away? I'm just Casey's husband, but I'm called to love her like Christ loved the church. Men in this room, that's how you're called to love your spouse, that way and that way only. And to him who knows what to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Any other way is unacceptable, men. Any other way is unacceptable. That's it. Because that brings God glory. Everything you do, it's about bringing him. You wanna be a parent, you got children, you are to love them like Christ loved you and gave everything for you, to pour and lavish upon them that they can bring you anything you need. Put your phone up, get on the ground, play with your children, pray for them, read to them, spend time with them, because that brings God glory and points people to the cross and brings salvation to all who believe. That's bringing God glory, be a parent. 
to him who knows what to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Do you have a friend in your life? Do you know all the things the Bible says about friends that a cord like this is not easily broken and what better way to love someone to lay down your life for someone else? Hey, that's how you're called to be a friend. Be that way and that will give God glory. You're called to be a teacher, pour out everything you have on your kids without wanting anything back because God gave you some children to love on, to teach, to educate, give them everything you have and that will bring God glory. You gotta go to work tomorrow, go in with the smile and with Jesus on your lips. It'll bring God glory. Don't slack off at 440, work till five o'clock. Do everything you do as if doing it to the Lord. That brings him glory. And to him who knows what to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. You wanna freak someone out? Next time someone tells you good job at work, be like, whoa, 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 whoa. No one is good except God. I'm just a sinner who's been saved by a savior who cast my sin from the east to the west. I stand before God, acceptable, spotless, pure, and without sin. He's a good God. That freaks some people out. <laughs> what if you gave him all the glory? How much glory are you holding on to today? Man, I feel convicted this morning. Anyone else? I want mine. And it's all his. And I don't want to keep anything from him. It's his. Because God hates sin. I don't want to live in that. I know what to do. Shouldn't we do it, church? Let's give him all the glory. And I don't have the answers for you. I don't know how you're sitting there. Okay, Caleb, tell me how I can give God glory. I don't know. But I know Jeremiah 33, 3 says this. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. We got to fill the altar up today, church. Like this should be packed. He will tell us great and unsearchable things we do not know. God, show me how to give you glory in everything. It's all yours. And church, that's how we advance the kingdom. That's how we see cities flipped upside down, marriages flipped upside down, children flipped upside down, everything brought to the center of the grace of the cross, Jesus, that's how. We are obedient because we have heard it and we live accountable to it. May God get all the glory from us this year. And our friendships, our jobs, our relationships, everything. Lord Jesus, we ask now that as we seek you out this morning, as we make giant plans for this year, goals and things like that, that we would chase after them with the purpose of bringing you glory. For you deserve all the glory. God in our relationships, may you receive the glory, may our jobs, may we work at them with everything that we have so that we bring you glory and that people are drawn to you through the way in which we live out our lives. And may the kingdom be advanced by the work you're doing in and through us and may you remove us and you get the glory. Father, I pray that I live, I die, I'm buried, I'm forgotten, and the name of Jesus is made a little bit known better because I existed for a blip on the radar of eternity. God, may your kingdom be advanced. May you be glorified through the people of OKC Community Church. May you be lifted high today. 
May we seek you out, great unknowable things. May you reveal those to us this morning, how we have to give you all of our glory. We lift you to the highest place today, Jesus. It's in your name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.